Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. helpful to 
read <laughs> what the claims are of the ultra-Orthodox in, uh, in Judaism. Uh, and it's also interesting to read what the claims are now of the Palestinians, the so-called Palestinians uh, terrorizing Israel. Uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, the Iranian foreign minister, uh, day before yesterday, he came out and said, you know, the war with Israel has already begun. You know, don't, don't be talking about should we go to war, will we go to war. The war has already begun, and they're right. This is a very interesting uh, uh, period for Israel because of the fact that they have lost the majority of Jews in America. The majority of Jews in America have um, migrated into progressivism, which means that they are wholly irrational. And if you are associated at all with the liberal side of the Democratic Party uh, and are therefore a progressive, you are by definition going to hate Israel and you're going to blame Israel for uh, being an apartheid state and you're going to rally behind the most useless terrorists in the world, the Palestinians. Um, it, it is a tragic time to see American Jews abandon Israel, but they have. Uh, and then on the other side, you have this uh, nearly the same number of Jews in America who are uh, Hasidic. And they also hate Israel, uh, different reasons. Uh, and they're, uh, well, they have far less merit than naval art, the, the whole lot of them. Um, so Israel is very much isolated uh, in America. You know, recently, there was a uh, the the gang uh, of, uh, of uh, progressives uh, led by the Muslims uh, in the U.S. Congress uh, tried to withhold the refurbishment bill uh, for the Iron Dome, uh, claiming that uh, Israel was massacring Palestinians and they shouldn't have such a thing. Uh, and, you know, it still passed uh, Congress, but it didn't get the fast track because Rand Paul has uh, stopped that. Um, but for, for Israel to have uh, this defensive weapon, it's a purely defensive weapon. All it does is stop Hamas from killing its civilians. Um, stopped by the Democratic Party is, is truly astounding that the world would come to this. But the fact that Israel is publicly announcing that it's lost the support of, of uh, liberal Jews in, uh, in America um, and that, uh, that it's a, a tragedy. And it, the reason that things are so dire there now is that the Muslims uh, in Israel are now rioting against Israel. So you've got Gaza, which... George Bush forced the Israelis to surrender uh, to the Muslims, uh, arming themselves with Iranian weapons, uh, and you, then you and they're rioting regularly, going against the uh, the fence, and uh, and are willing, literally, to kill themselves to prove how demented their god is. 
And then you have Hezbollah having destroyed Lebanon and uh, choosing, uh, instead of having Lebanon have a decent life for its people, to bring in hundreds of thousands of rockets instead, uh, planning on shooting two or 3,000 into Israel today. Um, and under that backdrop, you've got uh, Israel losing the support of, uh, of Jews in America, where you know, 40% of the Jewish population of the world lives. Um, they're being devoured from the inside, from the outside, and from their own. So it is a, it's a very frightening time for Israel. We're going to read more about what God had to say about uh, this time we're approaching, which is called the time of Jacob's troubles. Um, Anti-Semitism is on the rise uh, worldwide. It's about the same level it was uh, just prior to World War II and the Holocaust. Um, so these are very, uh, very difficult times. And the hardest part of these times is that evidence and reason don't seem to matter. They don't resonate. Uh, the overwhelming preponderance of people simply don't care. Uh, so it is uh, there's something we have to keep in mind as our voice becomes ever more shrill against the rabbis, what they have done to Israel, against the Muslims, what they are doing to uh, Israel, uh, among um, politicians who are two-faced as it relates to uh, Israel. God is not. God is disappointed with what they have said and done, but he is going to come to the rescue. This is where we left off last week. Alas, truthfully, that day and this time will be so different and unusual that there has never been anything similar to it. It is the time of Jacob's troubles. It is the period of Israel's anguish and distress, of Jacob's adversity, when Israel will be narrowed, reduced in size, and oppressed in dire straits by vicious foes. And yet from it, he, speaking of Jacob representing Israel, shall be liberated and will be saved. Yeah, well, conveyed by inspiring the prophet named Yirmiyah, respect Yah. This is the 37. It is an amazing statement. God is telling us that as, as much as we are prone to believe that the status quo will continue forever, you know, we're in a period in America where the U.S. national debt is announced at $29 trillion and our unfunded mandates add about $100 trillion to that. And the Democrats are asking for a, um, an eternal get-out-of-jail-free card so that they can have an unlimited checkbook because they want to pass a budget of $4 trillion and another couple of trillion for this, that, and the other Biden wants to spend trillions on um, climate change and um, essentially a socialist agenda. And 
the realization that the American economy is nothing but a house of cards, that the currency is a liability, it has no value, could cause the whole thing to come crashing down. At the moment Americans become rational about their climate, about their economy, and about their currency, it, it all fails. And so God is saying that it, just because you were used to something doesn't mean that it's going to continue. If we were to turn back the clock two and a half years, there is no one that can't even have fathomed that you would have countries and governments around the world depriving people of their livelihoods and their freedoms, all for a virus. You wouldn't have fathomed that if they finally came up with a vaccine for the virus, just like you would give people a flu vaccine, except this virus is much more deadly and contagious, that people would would go nutcase conspiratorial and believe all manner of lies. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that people would risk their lives, risk the lives of their loved ones, risk everyone else's lives, continue to put the country in a position where, in the world, where freedoms are suppressed as there's a chance of people making a livelihood and economies and currencies are destroyed because of a conspiracy. I mean, it's, it is astonishing what we have arrived at. And what Yahweh is saying is, you ain't saying nothing. Yeah, as much as the world was transformed before your eyes, just wait. The time of Jacob's troubles. The term is Sarah. And Sar, which is in the feminine, Sarah, is... Uh, means anguish, it means adversity, it means adversary, it means distress, but it also speaks of being narrowed, reduced in size, and then constrained, having one's rights and freedoms deprived. This is what's going to befall Israel. You know, the, uh, we had the uh, uh, pretend uh, leader of uh, the PLO and Hamas, can't win an election. He postponed this series of elections because he knows he'd be trounced by Hamas. Had him uh, speak to the United Nations and say, I'm going to give Israel a year and they have to withdraw to the 1967 uh, lines or else the world is going to have a conniption fit. We, we've been patient long enough. They must redraw, withdraw. It's our land. It's our country. How could people be so stupid? There's no such thing as a Fakistanian. There's no place called Fakistan. Never has been. Never will be. The history and archaeology, as well as God's testimony, are consistent and replete with absolute irrefutable proof that the land of Israel, and particularly Yehuda and Jerusalem, belong to the Jews. 
to claim otherwise is to be completely ignorant and irrational. And yet with those who pretend to be academics and to be the most enlightened, they will advocate on behalf of the terrorists. Yahweh recognizes that his people have gone uh, a very long time. Um, I would say the timing now is probably 3,000 years. They've gone 3,000 years since they had a close relationship with and relied upon Yahweh. Mm -hmm. They've gone 2,450 years since there was a single Jew willing to work with Yahweh. That was the last of the prophets. Not because God didn't want to continue to speak with the people, but because there wasn't a single Jew, not one, in the entire world that would listen to God. Not one. And as a consequence, it's going to get really dark. And what God has recognized is that if the Babylonian and the Assyrian enslavement of Jews was not enough to get their attention and bring them back home. And if the Egyptian captivity not once but twice, was not enough to get their attention. If the Greek invasion was not sufficient, if three invasions by Rome and the utter destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, uh, crucifying hundreds of thousands and hauling the rest off to slaves in Europe, that was not enough to get their attention. If the Holocaust didn't get their attention, if being tormented by Roman Catholics for over a thousand years was insufficient to get them to say, hey, maybe what we're doing is wrong. Maybe there's a, a problem here with our religion. Maybe we, we ought to be listening to God as opposed to these cockamamie rabbis. If countless prophecies saying this is what's going to happen to you and why isn't enough to get their attention. God realizes it's going to take an incredibly dire situation where there is no hope besides him. Where millions upon millions upon millions, maybe as many as a hundred million crazed Islamic jihadists screaming Allahu Akbar, guns blazing, Knives wielding, flood into Israel, even that won't be enough. It's going to take a lot to get their attention. Even Elia, the ultimate sarcastic prophet, if there's anybody that could get your attention, slap you up across the side of the head and say, what's the matter with you? It's Elia. And even then, I was uh, translating um, the 23rd chapter of Yermia uh, for the last uh, few days. And it's pretty obvious that uh, even in the end, 
Uh, you hear me, y'all saying, what in the heck has happened here? All of this, all of these predictions that I made, telling people, don't listen to the rabbis. And yet there they are, listening to them. Not a single one of them cares what Yahweh had to say. Uh, it's, there are not going to be a, a lot of Yehudim. They're going to return to the covenant. Even with the time of Jacob's troubles being more horrific than anything humankind has ever experienced. Now, we've now got 20 volumes of Yadayawa available. The website is oh, just so stunningly beautiful and, uh, and easily navigated, has access to probably 5,000, maybe more radio archives and not only can you buy any one of these 20 books um, Jackie is now making them available in hardbacks I've got one of the first hardback now is sitting on my bookshelf gorgeous Uh, and a book that should cost five times what it does is available uh, in three or four days lead time and you've uh, got it for uh, they keep in the hardbacks in 20 bucks. Right there for you. All of it. Powerful. Insightful. Life-changing. And the question I would ask for Yehuda, why do you have to endure the time of Jacob's troubles? Why not make this decision now? What are you afraid of? What do you have to lose? Living under the control of the rabbis has been absolutely disastrous. It's been miserable. You've got nothing to lose. They're lying to you. God constantly tells you that they're lying to you. He says, do not listen to them. They're miserable. When they make a revelation, they're not revealing the word of God. Yahweh says, they're revealing their own desires their own inclinations, their own hearts and minds. And it's pure evil. Well, unlike man's fairy tales, which typically begin well and end poorly, with God, it's going to be the other way around. The most horrific days humankind will ever endure are fast approaching. The full effect of man's rage will be unleashed within the next 10 years. Life beginning in 2029 will be unsustainable and unbearable. And yet this story has a happy ending. Out of uh, the time of Jacob's troubles, Yahweh will liberate and save Yisrael and Yahudim. Although, keep this in mind, the overwhelming preponderance of people are going to be incinerated by God. He detests religion, and most people are religious. He despises politics, and most people are political. He has no tolerance for conspiracy, and it's the fastest-growing belief system. 
And it shall be in that day, prophetically declares Yahweh, of the vast array of spiritual implements, that I will break his yoke from upon your neck, and I will pull off your bounds and your shackles. Those who are illegitimate and unauthorized are those falsely claiming authority who are foreigners from a distant place advocating that which is improper will no longer make him work for them. So, Kirk, um, my guess is that you saw a Z word and said, you don't see many of these. That's pretty interesting. What about that? I did. Well, I looked at, I looked at, uh, obviously it does mean foreigner. It's not a, necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It depends on the foreigner. But uh, for the mm-hmm. most part, the Z words that are most used in the Torah uh, are uh, vastly positive because of the nature of the, um, of the uh, letters. We'll tell you that. It's a uh, farming implement. It's a um, plow. It's a plow. Plowing to a particular area, it cuts a pathway. It cuts. We have. We are cut into an into the family. We go to a down a specific pathway, celebrating the Moed Mikras, which mm-hmm. we completed the last of the seventh of this year, just uh, last week. We have. Um, so and then, I, so I kept going through, and of course, I found. Oh, one, well, look, one look video. at a plow. Just a couple more things on plowing. Oh, yeah. Plow. Plow is a device mm-hmm. that separates. It cuts and yes, it separates. Does. That is uh-huh. Yahweh's intent. He wants to cut a dividing line between the ways of man and his ways. He wants to separate all of us from religion and politics and up to him. That is what a plow does. A plow also, its primary purpose in, uh, in farming is the plow turns over the weeds, takes the yeah. weeds, which is religion and politics, conspiracy, and turns them over so that their roots are dried out by the sun, and that part of the uh-huh. weed that would suck up the light is now buried in the ground. It's a positive metaphor for that, and then it opens up the soil to receive the most important Z word in the Torah, zera, seed. Mm-hmm. The seeds that are sown of the truth, and the seeds that become the offspring that inherit the covenant. Yeah. And, of course, then there's Plows that powerful, growth. powerful D word that is based on Zeroah that Yahweh uses to describe three of the most interesting men who have ever lived. Moshe yes. was a Zeroah. Dod was a Zeroah. Yosha was a Zeroah. So there are some powerful Z words. Now I stepped all over your Z, your Z stuff. No, I, okay. I get excited well, Yes, I was going to say. No, I, 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 no, I've been here before. You've been here before. You know I get excited. <laughs> but uh, but I, I was, it was interesting to look at the root, you know, with the uh, the Z and the uh, Rosh. And in the more ancient, if you like, the earlier uh, um, approach to the language, it is showing a um, a a thing that crushes. Uh, is, it's a farming implement. It crushes the seed, and the ZR is defined as to crush your seed and to harvest the head. 
and blow away the chaff, which is in a nutshell what, we, what you just said. Mm-hmm. Then in addition to that, you know, the because of the way I noted the way that the Roche is, it is being, of course, going in the right direction. It is an observant person. So it really is to, uh, I would, I think I'm pretty safe in saying it is uh, to uh, assist in saving the, those who are, or helping those to survive who are observ- observant, in case those who observe the Torah and learn from yeah. that. So uh, it's just pretty cool. It's uh, harvesting yeah, or harvesting the observant, observant ones, if you like. That's a better way to yeah, say it. And all three of the important Z words, uh, well, two of the, the most important, uh, Zera, seed and offspring, mm-hmm. and Zeroa, have both the Z and the Rosh, the yeah. plow and the uh, observant individual. Um, yeah. So there's a lot to be said for that. And, and then, you know, if you look at uh, both Choder and Nakar, uh, words which have become near and dear to us, along with Zeroa, they all have mm-hmm. an observant individual in the middle of them. Yes, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's the game. Find the yeah. ones who will pay attention to Yahweh, and uh, he'll take them into his family. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah, so, and Czar, perhaps because it, that's just the end of it, the, uh, the observant individual is observing <laughs> the weeds, which the mm-hmm. plow has uh, overturned, or the rut in the ground, but they're, uh, they're not looking past that. Yes. So it will happen in that day, so, prophetically declared Yahweh, the vast array of spiritual implements, that I will break his yoke. Oh, yoke is another uh, term that's uh, used in, uh, in, um, uh, in, in ancient cultures. That's, uh, that's how you bridle, if you will. That's how you control a beast of burden. You place a yoke around them. The Jews, when they were slaves in, uh, in Mitzrayim, um, wore a symbolic yoke. And what God is saying is, uh, I don't want my people. I don't want them enslaved. I don't want someone else telling them what to do. I'm an advocate. God is an advocate of freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, God is saying, I, I have enough to offer that I don't need to put you, you under a yoke. I don't need you to obey me. I, I don't want to control you. I, I simply want to offer you everything that can make your life richer and more enjoyable. And if I'm willing to do these things, it's likely that if you are reasonable, rational, and observant, that you're going to say, yeah, thank you very much. I'd like to have that. And so God's approach is yokeless. Um, To be free. And so he wants to free his people from the yoke of Christianity, from the yoke of Judaism, from the yoke of, of Islam, from the yoke of socialist, secular humanism, and conspiracy and politics. Can, can I interject some? Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this when I was reading this particular passage. Mm-hmm. And there was there's a... a difference here in what was said in that uh, Yahweh told Moshe uh, to tell his children in, in uh, Shemuth 22 where he says the part about uh, he was, you know, be, be, don't, do not mistreat strangers, uh, aliens, yes. 
they come right. into your land because uh, you were strangers once in Misraim. And I was thinking about, you know, uh, you've got the Muslims and so forth, but the difference uh, that I assess in the two stories, uh, the Israelites, when they, came, when they went to Egypt, to uh, Misraim, they became a net positive for that country. They saved the country. It was yes. Joseph who saved it. Uh, yeah, and so they were tremendously uh, helpful welcome. to that country and deservedly so, and should have yes. been welcomed with open arms yes. and should have been chosen. Whereas the Muslims, because they take that as being some kind of, I don't know, maybe they think they ought to, they let in these people who are an absolutely net negative. They, uh, yes. It doesn't apply in that situation because they destroy everything. And they, yeah. the, 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 the Israelites never acted, never claimed authority in the land. They were given to it. They were instructed. You know, they said, go ahead, you mm-hmm. take over to it because you can obviously do it. These people claim the Muslims, the uh, fake Athenians, they claim authority and they've got nothing and they do nothing. Correct. So what's, they're, what's, to they're what's to embrace they're, about they're in, Yeah, that's, that's the yes. whole thing that I, I don't think that people recognize. Yahweh happens to be God. He's the one that gave us life. Without Yahweh, we have no life. We, are, we, we breathe because he enabled it. And there are ways that you can go through life and to use this gift. One of them is to do what we're doing here. Focus on his words. Ponder his words. Contemplate his words. Make the necessary connections to draw insights from his words, and then share that understanding. Single best thing you can do with your life. Uh, you can just choose to go about your life and, and ignore him entirely. That's eh, wasting your life. Or you can do what the Muslims do. You can go off and attack God's people. You can be a terrorist. You can be a net parasite on this world. And under that basis, rather than deserving to live, rather than having some merit, having some right, you are actually a net liability. Your life is a liability. And I would say that would be true of, of the overwhelming preponderance of, of Roman Catholics for most of their history. It would be true of most all Romans for most of their history. Yeah, they, just they were a net liability, and since God gave us life, to be a net liability, to be opposed to God, is an exceedingly bad position to be in. You're taunting God, and he's not going to forget it. So yes, it's a, this is a really serious kind mm-hmm. of thing that we ought to ponder the the consequences of uh, of what people are saying and doing uh, um, there isn't a single muslim that is going to uh survive yahweh's return no one everyone's going to be destroyed and and it's going to be a net benefit to the world because they're a net liability but this is is true of, of progressives it's true of roman catholics True preponderance of Christians. Uh, one of the things I, I did want to say, because I just saw something in the corner of my eye in the, uh, the chat room. Um, 
I am outspoken against progressives and liberals because liberals and progressives now are uh, have gone off the deep end in support of uh, Islamic terrorists and in opposition to Israel, and that's not acceptable to me. And they will lie and deceive uh, and do all manner of Machiavellian things to try to destroy Israel on behalf of the terrorists. Uh, also, I recognize that Yahweh was anti-government. And because he is anti-government, we don't take sides in terms of political parties, but we do have a brain, and we recognize that the difference between liberal and conservative is that a liberal wants more government and a conservative wants less government. And if Yahweh was, not yet, since Yahweh was anti-government, less government is better than more government. So... To be a liberal is to be in direct conflict with Yahweh. To be a conservative is, uh, is closer to where he is. Now, the problem with conservative is that those who would wear that mantle politically have a propensity to be conspiratorial, which Yahweh despises, and is usually anti-Semitic. And second, they, uh, they have a tendency to be overly religious, and God despises that as well. But in general, uh, while they may call themselves conservatives, the majority of them actually grow the government just as much. And go to well, war. Well, the, yeah. uh, the fact of the matter is that if you trace the history of American spending, it grows faster. And we deficit spend more with Republican administrations than we do with Democratic huh? uh, administrations. Yeah. Although... In the situation we're in now, where you have democratic control of uh, Congress, the Senate, and uh, and the administration, uh, that's the the worst of all situations. In fact, the worst of all situations is you you have a president with dementia, uh, and he represents uh, extreme liberal liberalism, and his vice president, the person who would come into power if he is further debilitated, is among the most dangerous and unqualified people ever to invest that, uh, that the White House. She uh, uh, was at a, uh, a meeting the other day, earlier this week, where um, a, uh, someone who's not even an American citizen uh, came uh, uh, a, uh, um, from, I think, the Zoroastrian from... Uh, Iraq, uh, the, uh, the cities that uh, that we helped to liberate from the Islamic State, and rather than condemning Islam and saying, "Look, they they raped uh, all the women in my family, they enslaved the boys, uh, they ruthlessly killed anyone who opposed them," and this is the problem: is Islam? No, she came and said, "The problem in the world is Israel." And Israel's an apartheid state, and, and the United States should have uh, absolutely no support of Israel. And the reason that America is despised is because they allow Israel to be an apartheid state and, uh, and take land that belongs to the Palestinians. That's what she said in front of uh, Vice President Harris. And you know what she said? Your truth needs to be heard. Your truth needs to be heard. Now, I'm not sure that I can say the word 
wells up inside of me to describe my disgust for her. But all I can say is, uh, should Yahweh uh, call me to be a witness along with Elia, I hope that uh, she comes. I hope she comes and brings that argument, because I, I would like to express my uh, my disgust for such a dimwit. How does One that become things, Israel's fault? That Israel is defending itself against Islamic terrorists. That Israel is uh, is is uh, claiming uh, land that was stolen from them by the uh, the Romans. Uh, that uh, Israel is is taking a place that Muslims uh, destroyed and making it valuable again. That Israel's great crime is building houses, <laughs> almost all oh. of them on vacant land. And the uh, the world wants to to blame those who, by the way, treated the Palestinians, the Muslims, better in. than Muslims were treated in any Islamic country, or better than Jews have ever been treated in any Islamic country. And yet, those same Palestinians then declared an intifada and started killing those who were educating them and employing them, taking care of them, allowing them to vote. And they decided, no, I think we'll terrorize them instead. And then they, the world wants Israel to give those who they treated better than Muslims are treated, and in, in, even in Islamic countries. I mean, the Palestinians in uh, Israel before the first Intifada were the best educated, the freest, uh, most prosperous uh, Muslims in the world with the highest mortality lifespan. And all of that was taken away when they decided to be terrorists instead. How is that Israel's fault? Oh. Why don't you tell me an Islamic country that gives rights to Jews? Why don't you tell me why it is that Muslims need more land and they need to take it from the Jews as opposed to out of the Sinai, out of Saudi Arabia, out of Jordan, out of Syria, out of any one of these countries. Why is it that the Islamic world right now is a hellhole? Why are there millions upon millions of refugees living, leaving places like Libya and Afghanistan and, and Syria? Why? It's horrible there. Well, what did Muslims do to the Christians in Indonesia? Wipe them out. What, well, what did the Muslims do to Christians in Armenia? What did Muslims death. do to the Kurds, who are fellow Muslims? Shoot them, shoot them, poison shoot them. them, you name it. Yes. And these are the people you want to give a country to so they can amount as many weapons as they want? Look what happened when the world forced Israel to give Gaza to Hamas. Total and complete poverty. No respect for anyone's life. And all the young people want to do is go blame Israel for the problems that have been caused by their own religious leaders. And the world eats it up and, and blames Israel when they defend themselves from Hamas rockets. Well, here's what God says. Instead, 
they shall work with Yahweh, their God, and with Dode, their king and counselor, whom to reveal the way to the benefits of the relationship, I will raise up and establish for them. So, rabbis, dimwits, who have amongst the 13 pillars of Judaism, that there's going to be a a Messiah that's going to come and save you, and you don't even know what his name is? You can't read Hebrew? When you you carry around your Tanakh, you don't have the prophet Yermiah? Why can't you read this? Are you unaware that Dode was anointed Masiach Messiah three times by Yahweh? Are you unaware that this says, I will bring back your king and counselor, and I will raise him up and establish him for you? And by the way, his name is Dode. Or if you're a dimwit Christian, and you think that there's going to be the second coming of Jesus, you mean to tell me you can't read this? Oh, I know. God, what every time he mentions, go, David, he's really speaking of Jesus. Does your God have Alzheimer's? Which one was your God? Your God can't keep, his, can't keep the name straight? You mean to tell me that when your God really wanted to say Jesus, he says David? Well, the names sound so much alike. I mean, you could easily see how they get that mixed up. <laughs> oh, I, well, uh, uh, you've done a lot of translating, JB. Can you tell me how many prophecies name... Jesus? Not one. Namely, because there was no way, so you couldn't pronounce the word in Hebrew, period. Okay, let's just pretend that that Christians actually got the name right of the guy that they think is the man-god. Let's say they actually knew that his name was Yosha. Can you tell me how many prophecies there are that call out a person named Yosha? That would be exactly, carry the one, zero. Zero? There are none. So do you think that if God wanted you to know that the most important person in the world, a man God, do you think he might have a prophecy? Mentioned him. Might might have mentioned him? Or a thousand times? Those mentioned 1,100 times give or take the one, carry the zero, I don't know. About 1,100 times. And every time he speaks of Dode, in the end days, it's Dode who's returning. So when God wants to make a point and say, that's your Messiah, that's the Son of God, he is your king, I'm bringing him back, he says, Dode. You know, in the, the single most acclaimed prophecy that Christians in replacement theology steal from Dode is uh, Yeshua Isaiah 9. You know, the son is born, a, a child yep. is uh, mm-hmm. given, given. That, that, you know, and um, the government will be on his shoulders. Is there a name in the midst of that prophecy? I believe there is. I, I believe there is, too. Is it Jesus? No. 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 Who's no, 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 no
they prophesy that uh, Christians uh, love the scientists too. Samuel seven. The prophecy that uh, brought us all together. Without that prophecy, we're not here. Um, so this is the prophecy that, that speaks of of the return and the uh, the kingdom of the everlasting kingdom. Is there a name mentioned in that prophecy? Mm-hmm. I believe there is. I believe it's the same name that is mentioned here in Yermiah. Now, Yermiah lived, what, 300 years after Doug? And here he is saying, oh, boy, the way, by the way, the guy that Yah was bringing back with him for Yahuda, that's going to reveal the way to the benefits of the relationship that God himself is going to raise up and establish for you, his name is Doug. Now, that's powerful, because one of the things it means is that, unlike what Christians have claimed, God didn't get pissed off at the Jews and decide to withhold heaven from them because they plotted to kill him. And that's the essence of, of what is conveyed in Matthew and in Paul's letters. Those Jews, they connived and schemed to kill God, and therefore, God's pissed off at them, and therefore, they're being denied heaven and he's going to replace them. That, that's the essence of Christianity. Without that lie, there is no Christianity. Can I ask a dumb well, question? Wait, wait a minute. So what does this oh, say? Sorry, sorry. That when, when God is coming back and he's bringing somebody with him, who is he coming back to? Who's going to be working with Yahweh? Israel, don't. Israel, Yehuda. So how is it possible that God gave up on Israel if every prophecy regarding Yahweh's return in the last day, every single one of them, mentions Israel, Yehuda, or both? Yeah, that's true. Everyone. How can there be a second coming of the Passover lamb when every reference to a return to the King of Kings, to the Messiah, is a doubt. This also means that the Christian claim that, well, uh, you know, Jews are condemnable and we ought to harass them because they won't accept Jesus as the Messiah. It's a good thing, because he's not. That's what this is. At what point on uh, Yom Kippur did the Passover lamb come back to life? Yeah. Uh, don't think so. I don't think that. I've read the Torah. I don't recall that. I don't think the purpose of the Passover lamb is for the Passover lamb to be resurrected. The purpose of the Passover lamb is to nourish the family so that the family might live, not so that the lamb might live. Passover does not work out well for the lamb. No. Works out well for the family. Hmm. Yeah. So this is really powerful. It means that the long-awaited Messiah is known because the long-awaited Messiah was here a long time ago. It means that there is a resurrection story. And the person who God is reestablishing and bringing back is Doug. Mm -hmm. It means that the central figure of God's story is the one that provides the primary antidote for the toxin of Christianity. 
behind that Dodot is uh, David is uh, is dead and rotting away in his uh, grave. Therefore, and all these promises about uh, David can't belong to him. They have to belong to his genes. Well, guess what? That's not true. Dodot is uh, the not only the epitome of what God calls right. He's not only the living example of what it's like to be part of the covenant. Dodu said, I have more flaws than hairs on my head, proves that Paul's claim that if you violate any aspect of the Torah, you violate them all, and the Torah exists to condemn, not to save, and cannot save, is dead wrong, because Dodu was right with God. He's vindicated by God. He is God's favorite person in all of human history all because he was Torah observant, proving that the Torah saves, it liberates, it does not condemn. And even in rabbinic Judaism, there is no affinity at all for no, um, there's no affinity for Yahweh either. Rabbinic Judaism <laughs> exists uh, to exalt rabbis period in the conversation. Rabbinic Judaism, the Hadithic Jews, the ultra-Orthodox Jews, the, the majority of religious Jews, the only thing that they venerate, the only thing they respect is rabbis, in the words of the rabbis. They don't respect God either. And Probably for good reason. Those are not going to take nicely to them. The 23rd chapter of Yirmiyah is exceedingly anti-Rabbi. So Yisrael and Yahudah will return and embrace reason, and they will exemplify the basis of God choosing them, which was to work with Yahweh. Now here what says, what does he say? He says, Indeed, instead, um, they will work with Yahweh. Rather than serving foreigners as slaves, they're going to work with Yahweh. God's got nothing against work. He just doesn't want us to work by compulsion. Great. But, but working, yeah, working with Yahweh is the greatest job in the world. And you don't like work. Mm -hmm. If you're into entitlements... You're not going to like uh, eternity with them. Well, you're not going to get to experience it anyway. Uh, what we do, you know, it's, this morning it was before six and I was in this chair. Here it is uh, in the uh, Atlantic time zone. It's uh, 8.24. I'm in this chair. I worked on uh, translations and insights, all that. I worked at it. Best job in the world. Absolutely the, the most rewarding use of time. But it's work. It, but it keeps your mind alive and, and life exciting. And the big universe. God's going to have us tended for him, just as man was responsible for tending the garden. So Dode is, uh, is returning with Yahweh to be king and counselor to show the benefits to the relationship. 
He is Yahweh's beloved son. Now, while the entire concept of bodily resurrection is counterproductive and just unbelievably stupid, it's while we have physical bodies, we decay. Um, we uh, we are limited. We're stuck in time. Um, there is no advantage of a physical body. I, for the most part, I mean, there will be times where having a physical body has a a brief benefit. We can enjoy Pesach through eternity. Uh, we can sing songs. We uh, I uh, can feel the warmth of a fire. We can uh, we can actually slow time, should we wish to do so, and experience uh, a magical place. But you can't maneuver anywhere. You'll never leave this rock. So long as we have physical bodies, okay, you can leave the rock, you can go to the moon, a big deal. One soon-to-be-desolate place to for another desolate place. But we need to be transformed into energy-based spiritual beings. Uh, to have eternity be meaningful to us. But as, as counterproductive as resurrection is, the closest it's ever going to occur is not with the Passover lamb, as you said, uh, JB. It's um, with the dote. I, I am convinced, having, having studied down that Second uh, Samuel uh, 7 uh, so many times, that that essence of dough, that uh, minus this minuscule particle of it of dough, that Yahweh is using to reconstitute him, is I think that Yahweh has stored some of dough's DNA. I actually think that Yahweh is so in love with dough that the dough who rules as King of Kings, the returning Messiah, is going to have many of the same physical characteristics, although, you know, he's going to be much more empowered and brilliant and energetic. But whatever his, when he is viewed in a physical way, his face, his hair, his stature, stature are going to be mm-hmm. the original. He's going to be reconstituted from his, uh, his DNA. So Yahweh referred to Dode as his Ebed co-worker. More times than anyone else. I think more times than everybody else combined. Uh, so we should assume there was probably a reason. And so it's fitting here that having finally chosen to work with Yah, Yehuda and Israelites are finally going to follow Dode's example. Dode worked for Yah. Do not think for a moment that uh, that. The 100 Psalms and 30 Proverbs were created without effort. You want to think this is a tough job in this world. I'll tell you what, the job I would least like in this world is those being the uh, shepherd of, uh, of Israel. Oh, yeah. Please, give me any of job. Being a prophet on top of that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, King, Prophet, Shepherd, all of that. No. Um, I mean, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to uh, to uh, have long discussions with him. I'd be happy to ponder the the essence of the universe with him. I'd be delighted to hear him sing. I'd be delighted to go into battle with him to protect God's people. I think Dode would be just the coolest dude in the world and the universe to hang out with. <laughs> but man, 
that's a tough job. <laughs> I know that uh, I'm beating a dead prophet, but nonetheless, it must be acknowledged that Shaul, Paul, lied when he said that Dode had served his purpose, his time was no longer relevant, that he was dead, rotting, and buried. When a person's testimony is in direct conflict with God's word, eh, chances are they're wrong. So much for Paul. Outside with God every time. Yeah, it's I, I'll, I'll take universally. Yeah, I'll take that. Good, good plan. Yeah. Then, Jakob, my coworker, this would be Israel, back engaging with God. So he's going to go from from few to none, back to few again. And then Jakob, Yisrael, my co-worker, you will have nothing to fear. Yahweh reveals in advance of it occurring. Nor will you be dismayed, Yisrael, because behold, I will save you, delivering you from being distant and alienated, along with your offspring, your Zerah, from the realm of their exile and captivity, where they were controlled and oppressed. And Jacob will change, and he will return. He will be at peace and at ease, with no one troubling him. Obviously, this is uh, going to occur upon Yahweh's return. And Yirmiyah will soon be telling us about the renewal and restoration of the covenant and Yahweh's return for his people. Uh, this is Yirmiyah 30.10, so we are approaching that crescendo of this wonderful prophet's pronouncement. So at this point, he is telling us that Yahweh is going to work again with and through Jacob. That's his preference. I can tell you that had there been a single Yahud, Yisraelite, willing to listen to Yahweh, he would not have stooped to using a coin. He did so because there wasn't one. That's going to change. I, I hope. Yeah, I, I hope and I expect that what we're doing with these uh, volumes. And these programs are going to play a role in awakening some additional Yehuda, and that uh, they can resume. Uh, well, they will, whether or not it's you know a hundred of them, or a thousand of them, or ten thousand, or a hundred thousand. They will. One of the things I came to the conclusion, by the way, in uh, translating Yirmiyah 23, is that when we reach this time. It's going to be about quality, not quantity. Uh, judging by Yermia's reaction, and he has seen what we're headed towards. Um, the numbers are disappointing. The quality of the people who have chosen to be part of the covenant is extraordinary. Uh, but Yermia is baffled, as was Yashaya, as to how few people respond. But Yisrael is currently dismayed. Yisrael is um, currently alienated from the world. Yisrael has been abused and controlled and oppressed by more people.
people than any other people in the history of the world. That's going to change. Yahweh is going to save Israel. He's going to deliver Israel. And he's going to do so because they change. And that is really the catalyst that makes all this possible. Did you have fun with uh, Zera, since it's another Z plow word? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I didn't really look at it very hard, but I've done it before. You know, it's uh, still it's still, a, it's still a pathway in erosion. Uh, and is that an Aleph? I can't remember whether it's an Aleph or an Aeyn. I, um, I think it's a, uh, a Aleph. Yeah, I think so, too, going towards Yahweh. So uh, it's uh, ain't nothing wrong with that one. That's a, that's a good way to be. So Correct. It's about as positive as it gets, yeah. And so uh, Jacob will change in return, and he will be at peace. Yahweh has now reiterated it three times that he himself will liberate and save Israel and Yahudah, and he will do so with Dod as king. All of those who have and continue to claim that God is with them are in for a rude awakening. You know, I was uh, reading... Uh, uh, my, my distraction in life uh, is uh, sports, so I, I, I do follow sports, and I was reading it, and, uh, uh, and it's amazing how people's lives are totally consumed with proclaiming that uh, Jesus is God, and that Jesus is, uh, is the Savior, and, and that uh, we need to accept Jesus, and you know, then they'll cite some trash that Paul wrote just amazing how lost people are in all of this and, and how few people actually know what God said or even care with uh, what uh, God had to say. For I am with you. Now, does that sound like um, just... A question: does, does that sound like a God that says, "I have um, the Jews have forfeited their opportunity no. in heaven, and that God has turned on no. them, and there will be um, uh, no opportunity mm-hmm. for Jews going forward, and that that God has instead chosen the foreigner, the Gentiles, and their church." By the way, since Israel dominates. Uh, every reference uh, to, uh, to end time prophecies is always Israel and Yehuda. Uh, yes. Certainly, there's got to be something in there that mentions uh, a Christian and a church, since they allegedly have replaced uh, Israel. Could you please tell me where I'd find those prophecies that mentioned uh, Christianity and a church? Well, I don't have that. No, I mean, it's, it's got yeah, to be somewhere, right? Uh, we, there. Uh, by the way, I was uh, wrong. Sarah is with a uh, an Ain, not it's, a. It's uh, still Latin. there, but it's still, but it's still a uh, a observer perspective in that kind. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, a plow to uh, to uh, turn over the weeds to create a separation to make uh, the ground receptive to the seeds, mm-hmm. a Zane, a Rosh, which is an, uh, an observant individual, and the eye, which is the ultimate sign of 
of, of perspective and seeing and uh, and observing. So it um, uh, it That's is those uh, those are all a very positive uh, things. For I am with you, prophetically declares Yahweh, to liberate and to save you, la yasha ata. So. Who is he saving? Who has who he been talking about here? Yeah, I'm I'm here to liberate you and save you. It doesn't say that I'm I'm that this is Jesus coming back to save a church, does it? No, no it says mm-hmm. that Yahweh coming to save Yahweh, which is a synonym for in the name of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the next verse clears up any doubt. Go ahead. Indeed, I will engage an act to bring an end to all of the Gentile nations and institutions among whom I have scattered and dispersed you by name and reputation. So how is it that Christians can claim that God gave up, that's what Matthew says, that's what Paul inspired him to write, uh, that God gave up on Jews because they were dastardly and conspired to kill him. And of course, if, he, if they actually did, which they didn't, uh, and if they were in unison, which they have never been in their history, uh, and uh, were responsible for killing the Passover lamb out of boy. Thank God you did that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the benefit. But this notion that God is all pissy about the Jews conspiring to kill him, and therefore Jews have forfeited their rights to eternal life in heaven, and that, that God decided he was going to change teams and work with a uh, Roman church, the very Romans that would destroy the, the temple and then destroy Yahuda and then enslave his people. Well, that's pretty hard to buy if it says, I am with you, speaking of Jacob Israel, and indeed I will act to bring an end to all of the Gentile nations and their institutions. Well, you see, it's a metaphor. Okay. Yaakov doesn't represent Yaakov. It represents the church. Ah, uh, like like Yosha and and those. Okay. So so what this is saying is that is that Gentile represents Jews because they're the ones that's going to be destroyed. So Gentile represents Jews, but listen, they're the ones that I have scattered and dispersed you. So if you doesn't represent Jews. And Gentiles doesn't represent Gentiles, then who is you? Well, I mean, I'm all for like metaphors. Your opinion, you... man. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, man. That's what the words say. Just as our love is neither real nor relevant, or when we do not vehemently oppose those who seek to harm our children, Yahweh is now making the same distinction. To be a loving, supportive, and protective father of Yisrael, he must act out against those who have abused his family. 
over the millennia. As a result, God is going to be, bring an end to every Gentile nation and institution on earth. When Yahweh chose to liberate the Hebrews in, uh, in Mitzrayim, what did he call them? He only has one name for them. What did he call them over and over again? Ben, Ben, E, Israel. Oh, I'm sure. My them. I was talking about the, the children the, of Israel. If he calls yes, them yes, the yes, children yes. of Israel, and they were all ages, all positions of life, including mm-hmm. men and women, boys and girls, and he's calling them the children of Israel. Is he not speaking as a father? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we move to this conclusion of the time of Jacob's troubles, then those who have troubled Israel being destroyed. I will act and bring an end to. Kalah means I will without fail bring to a conclusion completely vanquishing. Gentile nations. Now, that doesn't mean that all Gentiles will be vanquished. The many Gentiles that have become part of the covenant. It's the Gentile institutions and their nations. Yeah. Just as our love can't be real, God must stand up for and stand against. Stand up for his children and against those who would bring harm to them. There will be no United States, no People's Republic of China, no European Union, no Russian Federation, no Roman Catholic Church, no Christianity nor Islam. Those who mistakenly believed that God was with them and that they were destined to live forever will find tomorrow's news unfamiliar and unpleasant. Such will not be the case with the chosen people, Yisrael, Yisraelites, and Yehuda. You will be the exception because I will not act in such a way to cause you to fail or perish. Instead, I will instruct you in the means to exercise good judgment regarding the means to resolve disputes such that you are found innocent and not published. I will not banish you, nor leave you destitute. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 30, 11, which means Paul lied, which means the Christian New Testament is not true, which means there is no basis for Christianity, because there is no basis for replacement theology. You will be the exception because, yeah, I will not act in a way that will cause you to fail. Indeed, I will instruct you, God, sir. Now, the the interesting word here, uh, Kirk, is mishpat. Mishpat is a compound. Yes, always, yes. And there's so much you can learn once you you recognize how many important words in Hebrew are compounds. Mikra, for example, the compound. But Mm -hmm. mishpat is a compound. It's a Compound of my, which is to ponder and ask questions about Shaphat. Shaphat. Being judgmental. Yeah. 
Yeah. Making sound mm-hmm. decisions. Resolving conflict. Being just. Yeah. So I'm sorry, you were going to make a point. I, I just no. wanted to make certain we understood how important Mishpat is. Oh, yeah. Every key word that we've been talking about for years and years is like Mishpat and so forth is it's one of them. Yeah. So these are very familiar, those of us who have been involved for years. But uh, I was going to say that, you know, I've read this verse and I read the commentators and I read 42 different uh, English translations and every one of them reversed the end of it. And I went really? through it and went through it and yes, oh yeah. They say uh only I will not destroy you completely, but I will chasten you just you justly and I, I and will by no means leave you punished. And I'm going, who is he reconciling with Yehuda if this is we're talking about young this is a chapter on young yeah. porn. And, and so they put, really the, they put the Anna back on. Yeah. You know, remember when we started with Anna? It's exactly that. It's the same approach. They a few things. And I thought, you son of a God. I mean, you know. This is, this is not complicated because it begins. No. Ak means exception. Eth means to make a connection with something or to be with someone. Ata means you. So ek es ata, you will be the exception. Lo asha, it's, it's the negation of asha. Asha means to act and engage. You will be the exception because I will not act or engage in such a way. Mm-hmm. Kala, to cause you to fail or punish you or to perish. I will not facilitate your conclusion or your demise. I will not annihilate you or destroy you. Kali is, is not a difficult word. There is no word here that is difficult to translate. These are all mm-hmm. common concepts in Hebrew. And then wa can be and, but, instead, also, in addition, yasar, I will instruct you. Mm-hmm. I will enable you to be correct. I will teach you. And therefore, I will strengthen you by that teaching. Mm-hmm. What part of teaching is a bad thing? Well, no, they took it. They call it chastisement and punishment. And it goes but it means, from there. But it means, but it means to correct, which you correct somebody by properly by, direct. Yeah, yes. Right. And sound I'm instruction just and teaching do. corrects. Yes. Yeah. And. Get away with uh, I mean, I understand that mishpat is uh, is typically rendered judgment as a bad thing, but mm-hmm. to God, being judgmental is a good thing. Yeah, and mishpat yeah. gave, gave you a everything. brain to do so. Right. You know, when when uh, God appointed people to resolve disputes among the children of Israel, mm-hmm. He empowered a group of people yeah. that He called the Shaphat. Yeah. And the purpose of the Shabbat were to render good decisions, to make sound conclusions based upon good information. So to misfot just means to ponder the implications of making sound, rational decisions. Good. It's a really positive term. Yeah. If God says, God says, I was going to judge you, he would just use Shabbat. 
But this mm-hmm. is Misfat. And Wanaka uh, is a very positive word. It means to be found innocent, to not be punished, to be pardoned, to be forgiven, to be clean, to be pure, to be purged of imperfection. Yeah. To be clean, yeah. Yeah. Instead of, and they and, use it to be, uh, they just twist that one too. Yeah. And then I, wow. Anaka, is that I, I will not banish you, I'll not leave you destitute. I'm not going to force you to live elsewhere. So I, I, this is not difficult to render. And what has he been doing? Everything that has led up to this is, you're my family. Times are going to get tough, but I'm here for you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to liberate you. Over and over, God said, I'm here to save you. I'm here to liberate you. I'm going to destroy those Goyim. But you, I'm saving. And so here you want God to contradict himself and to say, oh, no, no I'm just really kidding about that savior part. However, yeah. I was kidding about getting rid of those Gentiles who were enslaving you. I'm not here to liberate you. No, I'm here to judge you. I'm going to condemn you. What do you think? Is God schizophrenic? What's wrong with your God that you would say that about him? Well, they're God's man-made, so he's irrational just like most men. Okay, that's true. Yeah, God, uh, God conceived in the image of man like uh, Jesus or Allah has to be as irrational as the uh, men that conceived him. Uh, by the way, you know, the Passover lamb is not God. Yeah. Folks, to be set apart is to be the exception. It means to be that which is uncommon. What is the most common thing in our world today would be religion. Yeah, absolutely. Israel is God's exception, always has been. They were people set apart for God's benefit, for their benefit, for our benefit. Having decided to act upon the means he has offered to reconcile our relationship for the first time in ages, Yahweh will be able to pronounce his children innocent, fully pardoned, and forgiven. Now, there are two additional relevant references to this occasion of restoration and return in Yermayah. Um, the next prophecy regarding the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim, the Day of Reconciliations, is uh, in the following chapter, and it is among well, as we've talked about it, it's, a, it's easily among the most powerful announcements conveyed by God. This prophecy um, is among my very favorites. It is so thought-provoking, so stimulating, so enriching and enlightening and so hopeful. I, uh, I find it to be as reassuring as anything God has ever said to us. The prophecy begins as did the last, focusing on the same people. And yet as the only statement within the prophets addressing a Beirith Kadash, a renewed covenant, it is both essential to and absolutely lethal to 
Christianity. Without it, there is no basis for a New Testament. With it, the claims of the New Testament are destroyed. Completely, irrevocably, obliterated. Yep. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. That is the ultimate definition of a catch-22. That is precisely what this passage does. Describing the events which will transpire on the Day of Reconciliations, Yirmiyah, who witnessed it, back in the 23rd chapter, uh, Yirmiyah tells us what he saw. He has witnessed our future. So as uh, Yashaya, by the way, Yashaya has also seen this day and has reported mm-hmm. back and our, uh, our past, what will be future history. Uh, um, and uh, Yashaya's case, it is uh, so much of it actually pertains to what we're doing and God's appreciation Yashaya, and recognition. Yeah, yeah. So Yashaya is thrilled because Yashaya... Spent all of his life uh, speaking on behalf of Yahweh, on behalf of his people, and no one responded. Nobody there. Yeah, Yahweh says, hey, don't don't worry about it, pal. I got you. I got you covered on this one. Uh, Okay, you might not be all that impressive, but there's a a boy that's going to really, really dig what you had to say. And he is going to cherish every word, and he is going to share it with, uh, with the people. And with a little coaxing, they're going to respond. And you're going to be the one they're listening to. So uh, I'm going to let you go forward in time and celebrate this. Yeah, yeah, I gets a little carried away, but yeah, you can't blame them. Behold. He's the one that said, and he's the one that said, uh, uh, Yahweh empower him a little more so he can work a little harder. <laughs> yeah, he did. He is a, he is a, he is a, he Thanks is a lot, a, Yeah, he is a slave driver. At, uh, yes, yeah. In the nicest possible way. Just don't give that guy a break. I want him in that chair early. I want him in that chair late. We got a job to do, man. But, you know, put it in perspective. Here's Yeshia, uh doing this with Yahweh. Uh, for year after year after year and seeing no results and wanting to know what it's going to take for his people to finally respond. And now Yashia is seeing the fruit of his words. And so, yeah, he double your efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, man. Uh, Yeah. He's digging it. Behold, look up and pay especially close attention. A time is coming. Yahweh reveals well in advance of it occurring. When I will enter into and cut Karat, I will establish through separation a set-apart agreement on behalf of the house and family of Yisrael, Be'eth Yisrael, the home of those who engage and endure with God. And with the family not, not of... The church? No. <laughs> Who? No. Nor does this say Christians. And with the family no. of Yahudah, a restored and renewed covenant. If Christianity is to survive, the covenant cannot be restored, it cannot be renewed, 
it has to be new. And for Christianity to be credible, for it to have any value whatsoever, the new covenant has to be with Goyim and not with Yisrael or Yahudah. This introduction completely destroys the religion that is desperate for it to survive. It yeah, is that's why so, Christians always have to quote everything out of context. That is correct. In context, yeah. it completely contradicts what they're saying. I had a, uh, an Oxford scholar 15 years ago write me and say, you know, what are you talking about uh, that there's no uh, way for there to be a, uh, a new uh, covenant? Uh, uh, there clearly is. God says it right there in, in uh, Jeremiah 31, 31. He says, you know, that Yahweh is establishing a new covenant, and it's not going to be the same as the old one. So what are you talking about? And I said, I said, you're an Oxford scholar. Can and you, you're telling me you can't read what this says? You don't understand the implications of these words? Behold, the time is coming. Yahweh, not Jesus, reveals well in advance of it occurring. When I, Yahweh, will enter into and cut with the house of Israel and with the family of Yahudah, a Kadash Barat, a restored and renewed covenant. The covenant is being restored with the people for whom it was made. We have moved forward 400 years, or 4,000 years, excuse me, 80 Yobel, and we have returned to exactly where it began. There is now, no accommodation. Is there with the one in Exodus that Christians love to quote. Oh, God doesn't have a name. You know, uh, oh, yes. Moses asked yeah. him, who should I say sent me? He said, I am who I am. Oh, yeah, yeah. he did. He said that. What did he say right yep. after that? Yeah, he actually he said, said. Come on, just give yeah. a little context here, people. He said, he actually said, Ehaya, I was, I am, and I always will be. Asher will be. For the benefit of the relationship and to show the way to get the most out of life who I am. Tell the children of Israel that Yahweh has sent you and that Yahweh is my only name, the only name by which I wish God to be recalled. Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Yes. It's just like this. If you read the entire statement or if you put it in context and read what follows, it destroys Christianity. It doesn't embrace it. Behold, the time is coming when Yahweh reveals well in advance of it occurring. What I will enter into and cut. Karat is the operative term always with the covenant. With the house of Yisrael and with the family of Yahudah, a restored and renewed covenant. So you as a twistian want to tell me that your God is so stupid, so old, that he can't keep his name straight, that he really wanted to tell Yermiah, I'm going to do this with Goyim Christians in a church. And I didn't have a word for Christians or church, so 
I just replaced those words with Yisrael and Yahudah because I'm just too stupid to know the difference. And Hebrew doesn't have a word for new, so I had to use the word renewed, right? Yeah, well, the There's word... There's no Hebrew uh, word that means new, right? Well, the fact of the matter is that Kadash can be translated new. It is about 5% of the time it is more comfortable being new. About 95% of the time it's more comfortable being renewed, reaffirmed, reestablished. The term Kadash is uh, based upon the renewing light of the, moon. of the reflected uh, sun's light on the moon's surface. It is the, the term that is used to describe the start of a new month. At the start of the new month, the light reflected off the moon's surface is being renewed. It is growing. It is being reaffirmed. It is being reestablished. Uh, that's the term Kadash. Yeah. It's basis. It means to renew, to restore, to repair, to reaffirm. This is not announcing a New Testament, a Talmud, or a Quran, but instead the reaffirmation and restoration with the one and only covenant that was established with Israel. Mm-hmm. It's an adjective. Yeah. The situation that we are approaching this close to the covenant's reaffirmation will be unlike anything humankind has experienced. The occasion of restoration and return will soon be over. The last decision will have been made and the family will be complete. This celebration is in heaven among spiritual beings, the souls who have accepted the instructive conditions of the covenant and who have reaped the benefits of attending the Mikra, especially Yom Kippur. Having become Torah observant, they have finally become right with Yah. This, however, is a very different situation than what occurred some 3,400 years ago on the way out of Mitzrayim. Those events set these events into motion. There was an urgency on that day to make this day possible. Yeah, what goes on to say. It will differ somewhat from Loka. It won't be exactly alike. The bereth, ha bereth, the covenant, the family-oriented relationship agreement, which, to reveal the benefits of the relationship, Asher, I entered into, I established and cut, Karat, with their fathers, Eth, Ab, Hem. On the day, I firmly took them by the hand and with overwhelming intent, overpowered the situation. Tzach Ani Bayad. I showed an intense resolve, and I was inflexible. And my influence over them, even overpowering them due to the urgent need for them to prevail. To bring them out, La Yatza, Yatza is the Hebrew term, to describe the exodus. La yatsa men to draw them out and bring them close, descending and extending myself to serve by removing them from Eretz Mitzrayim, the realm of the crucibles, 
of religious and political oppression, from the place of subjugation, coercion, political tyranny. Wow. There is something here that I didn't really understand until about a year ago. I always think of, you know, Yahweh going to Moshe and saying, hey, Moshe, let's just go get the people. And, you know, Moshe said, uh, nah, not me. Let's go find somebody else. Not me. Got the and, wrong guy. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, Yahweh was strong Garmin. Moshe was the only person on the planet, and God had no backup plan. It was Moshe or nobody. God has never works alone. It's only one person he could work with, Moshe. Moshe said no. God strong-armed. He needed it done. It was right. It was good for Moshe. He didn't hurt Moshe in any way. And Moshe would spend the next... Yeah, he would spend the next 40 years of his life engaged in this work with Yahweh, but Yahweh strong armed. When it comes to the children of Israel, God couldn't give them a choice. He couldn't say, hey, you know, I got this really good plan called a covenant. It's got some conditions. It's got some benefits. Let's sit down and discuss it. I think you'll like it better than being slept. Would you please choose me? And let's have a vote. You know, we'll, uh, we'll decide who wants to go, who wants to stay. Let's see what we can work out. No. Not the way it was handled. God said I forced them out. I didn't give them a choice. I drug them out. It was with a firm grip and a strong arm that I brought them out. He didn't say that it was wishy-washy. I gave them a choice. This was all up to them? No. God drug him out, kicking and screaming. Just like a lifeguard. He had to. If he didn't do that, there would have been no Torah. There is no example. There are no prophets. There's nothing. God becomes unknowable. That's what was at stake. He would have faded from, well, not faded from existence, but faded from memory. Faded from memory. Well, he wouldn't have been faded from memory because there was no memory of him. No memory of him, yeah. None. Uh, That was so long ago, and it wasn't in writing, and they had been slaves for 400 years. What little they had tried to pass on from Abraham to Yishak to Jacob to Yosef. 400 years as slaves, I'll tell you. That's However Moshe unprepared said, Moshe was, right, anyone Moshe who came said, after would have been even less prepared. Right. Moshe had no idea what his name was. There was no Torah. <laughs> there was nothing. They knew nothing about God. This wasn't a choice. God drugged them out because so much was at stake. Our salvation. Their liberation. The entire message of the prophets, all of it. God's credibility, his promise to Abraham. Humankind didn't know about it, God knew about it. He was gonna honor it. So it's a very different situation. He drugged them out. That's how the 
covenant that he reestablished with the children of Israel at that time was very different because right now, God's not going to pull Israel and Yahudah kicking and screaming out of uh, Babylon. The second exodus is not going to be like the first one. When he reestablished and reaffirms his covenant, it's going to strictly be by choice. You will either have chosen to know him and love him and engage with him or not. And if you say, or not, you're left behind. He's not dragging anyone out. Very different set of circumstances. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that. That is why the covenant that he reaffirmed with the children of Israel while he was dragging them out with a strong hand from Mitzrayim is different than the reaffirmation of the covenant. Now, there's a second reason it's going to be different, and God's going to tell us that in a moment. So there was an urgency then to liberate a reluctant audience. I mean, look at Moshe. Moshe has an example of having saved a Hebrew, a Israelite, from being bludgeoned to death by a Mitzri tyrant. And rather than be grateful that someone stood up for them to keep them from being beaten, the Hebrews turned on him. God fully aware of what he was up against. The enslaved Israelites knew little, if anything, of Yahweh. Nothing of his Torah, nothing of his covenant. They had only just been introduced to Pesach and Matzah and were unaware of anything beyond that. To get their attention and to bring them home, Yahweh had to overpower the situation and intervene with overwhelming conviction without having done so he would not have been able to achieve what he knew needed to be done to honor the promises he had made to Abraham, to Yishak, and to Jacob regarding this very same covenant. By contrast on this day, Yahweh's children are here because we know him, because we are Torah observant, because we have benefited from what God did on that day. We are beneficiaries of what of the labor that Moshe has provided. We have chosen to come home by engaging in the covenant and attending the Mikre. We have not come kicking and screaming, but of our own free will. This time, rather than leaving Mitzrayim, the crucibles of religious and political oppression, we have walked away from Babylon, from the intermixing of religion and politics and the confusion of the same. We are no longer confounded or confused. We are no longer estranged. And yet, by contrast, in the days which followed the first Yatza exodus, and for a long time thereafter, relationally, Asher, they broke him, Parah, They sought to nullify 
that covenant by thwarting its intent and by disassociating from the correct path, thereby revoking the benefits of my covenant, Barathani, my family, although we were married. Yahweh reveals through this prophet. Yirmiyah 3132, the covenant is reciprocal, which is why it's called a relationship agreement. God has consistently honored his commitments, and he will continue to do so, which is the reason he is restoring his relationship with his people. However, with mankind, that has not always been the case. It's been a, a rocky road after Jacob. And now in the wake of rabbinical Judaism, Four of the five conditions of the covenant are routinely nullified, are revoked. Christians are 0 for 5. Muslims don't even know there is one. (laughs) I can't wait to share with you what I wrote uh, today about uh, the the mighty Mo and his wild uh, ass ride to, to the... Please do. I was was about as. In fact, I think that my starkism uh, might have rivaled uh, my hero uh, Elias uh, on uh, on today. So I I look forward to being being considered hateful and uh, and reading my uh, my recap of uh, of the Islamic claim to uh, the Temple Mount and to Jerusalem. The problems have been and they continue to be through avoidance of the Torah. Without the Torah, there is no access to the covenant. With it, Jews are in breach of the covenant. It's uh, bad for rabbinical Judaism just as this is really, really bad for Christianity. This statement, however, does not apply to anyone other than Yisrael and Yehuda because they alone Parar broke the covenant. Christians have never been part of it. <laughs> I was going to say they never had one. Nope. Nope. They've got a replacement. For this reason, this specifically is the covenant. Asher, which to enjoy the benefits of the relationship, I will cut. I will create through separation with the house of Yisrael, the home of those who engage and endure with God. After that, and then, without hesitation, Akhar Ahem, prophetically declares Yahweh. I will provide, placing my Torah guidance, my teaching, instructions, and directions within them, and integrate it into their ability to make decisions, I will write it. I will be their God, and they will be my family. So how is it possible that uh, God, according to Paul, annulled the, uh, the Torah because it couldn't save anyone and replaced it with his gospel of grace and 
had Paul come along to contradict every word that he wrote if when the covenant is renewed God is planting a copy of his Torah in silence I don't think God thinks that the uh, the Torah is um, passe no I mean you can't go from a Torah to a New Testament if God upon his return in the affirmation of the covenant is doing so by placing a copy of his Torah inside of us. You want to know why the affirmation of the covenant with the children of Israel is different as they were leaving Mitzrayim kicking and screaming than it will be now is because then he handed us a copy of his Torah. He made it a document that we could choose to read or ignore, observe or reject. It's out there. You can choose to deal with it. You can choose your New Testament or Quran or Talmud. It's a document that is separate from you. It would not have been a choice. No one had the ability to know or understand at that point. Only now have we reached the point where people have that. Yeah, we have that available. It's there. So it is a choice now. Yes. And only then would it be fair for him to fight his Torah on our heart. If you did it when you had no choice, that wouldn't be a relationship. Correct. So we now have the choice to accept him and accept it. And when we do, he can give it to us, integrate it within us. Mm -hmm. And that's the primary difference is that Right now, we have the opportunity to choose to observe the Torah and choose to accept it or reject it. But those of us who choose to accept it and to observe it are going to get the greatest gift of all. God's teaching, his guidance is going to be integrated into our very souls. And personally, I am convinced, and I think that all evidence affirms this, that the Torah that he is placing inside of us is uh, as if Hebrew had a distinction. They don't. But if they did, it would be Torah lowercase t as opposed to the Torah that uh, Moshe scribed. Because with Torah little case t, I'm going to empower you uh, infinitely. I'm going to make you... The seven-dimension creature, where right now you're a three, with each step up being an infinite increase. And with that, you have the ability to travel across the universe. You can explore whatever you wish to explore, but still, black holes are dangerous. Supernovas are dangerous. There, there are some guidance that you really ought to have to deal with this enormous expanse because the opportunities, the freedoms in a seven-dimensional situation, even a six-dimensional universe, are infinity times infinity times infinity times infinity greater than what we now can fathom. That state will have the ability to perceive black matter and black energy. What is that going to do with that? We don't know. We'll need that. Yes. 
And yet that makes up ninety six percent of the universe. Yeah, we will we will see that that uh, uh, dark energy is uh, is an, uh, the essence of choice, and that dark matter is the uh, uh, the Nicole. essence of relationship. Is it's attractive in nature? The other is repulsive in, uh, in nature. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. we're going to see that the universe really is six dimensions, and that there's a seventh the creator lives in beyond. These are marvelous opportunities, but uh, to travel across the uh, universe, which is estimated at uh, 95, 96, 97 uh, billion light years across, you'll be able to do it in no time, literally no time. You say, how is that possible? It's 90 billion light years uh, across. Wouldn't it take you 90 billion years if you were traveling at the speed of light, nothing could go faster than the speed of light. Oh, but you don't understand speed. Just walk through? The you know, speed is, uh, is distance over time. If time doesn't move, then oh, yeah. you can That's be from all. one yeah. side of the universe to the it's other there, there. in no time. Blink of an eye. It's a fascinating uh, concept. But getting there is going to require some uh, some instruction and guidance so that we do it in a responsible way. We'll still have free will, but with an instruction manual. Mm-hmm. So when you're going into eternity, as I've said many times, the existing Torah has value in certain places, but there's a lot of it that would be actually counterproductive to us then. So to... To know how uh, Aaron decided that, you know, I think what we're going to do here is build a golden calf while uh, his brother was up there receiving the Torah. And that God had to wipe those people out. That's, that's not going to bring a, a bunch of joy to us in eternity. not going to help us in eternity. It's not going to do us any good at all. No, to hear the story that God was so distraught that he had created mankind because of how quickly we degenerated into religious and political and, and vicious beings, and there had to, uh, to flood the, that region, uh, that's not something that I need to know. I, the creation account is something we don't need to know. Why? Because we're going to be witnesses to a new creation. Near creation, yeah, that's right. Right. Do you think that it's going to be helpful for us to know that Adam did a really poor job of sharing with Chawa what Yahweh had instructed? Or that uh, Chawa uh, wanted to be like God and, uh, and reject Yahweh's instructions? And that Adam, after all the benefits that he had enjoyed, sided with her? I had to, this, the story of, of Cain killing Abel, a story that we, we need to know in eternity? I don't think so. And so most of what's there uh, no longer has merit. We, we're not going to need to know the story of Abraham or the fact that Abraham pulled a dunderhead move twice and dumped his wife out for benefit, financial gain. That's not something we need to know because Yahweh forgave him and loves him. And, you know, I don't want to remember that about him in eternity. So there just isn't a purpose 
for much of that. It's incredibly important for us to know what transpired in Eden. Because if you don't like what transpired in Eden, you ain't going to want to spend eternity with Yahweh. Because that's where we're headed back to. That is what he's taking us uh, back to. Um, so it's really important for on, on, on a lot of this to understand what it is that... Uh, that Yahweh says is the negative consequence of, of choosing poorly, or that's not going to have an effect going forward. So the Torah that Yahweh is integrating into our nature is his instruction and guidance as to how to deal with being a spiritual being and responsibilities that go along with that. I mean, I do think that we are going to be able to enjoy the process of using DNA to conceive life and to enjoy the ramifications of life. And we need to do that responsibly. We need to interact with God responsibly. We need to deal with the dote shepherding and leadership responsibly. So that's why this is placed inside of us. And you are correct that up until this point, God couldn't put the door inside of us. Because if it did, there would be no way to reject him. No free will. There's no way to corrupt his message. There's no way for uh, for free will to be exercised as it relates to choosing and not God. So at this point, all choices have been made. All people who who chose not Yah are gone. Those who chose to promote not Yah are in the black hole of Sheol. And those of us who chose to accept Yahweh's conditions of the covenant are now uh, empowered with integration. Yes, we chose to have this integrated. Uh, even now, if any of the three of us had the opportunity to have Yahweh's Torah placed inside of us uh, so that it was really integrated into our very nature versus something outside that we, we were required to, to wrestle with and to study and to uh, contemplate, we're better off right now, the way it is. Yeah, if if we knew course. every nuance of this as Yahweh intends, we'd be some really crappy teachers. We wouldn't be able to relate to other humans. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be able to tell people, this is what I learned, this is how I learned it, this is what it means to you. And this is where you can go to verify that what I'm telling you is true. So we're better off the way it is right or now. We're a benefit to others by going on that journey with them. That's correct. Right yeah. through these words together with them as opposed to being so far remote from where they are that we wouldn't even know how to you relate. can't relate. Yeah. 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 So we're actually better off uh, than this. But we would be horribly uh, handicapped empowered as we will be is we are transformed from matter into energy if we didn't have this instruction. I would tell you that that I have read enough about what would happen if we were liberated in the fourth dimension. And every scientist that you study as they talk about the differences between being a four-dimensional being and being a three-dimensional being tell you that the, the noise and the, the sights and the choices in four dimensions are so infinitely greater than what we can even fathom 
that it would kill us instantly. I mean, right now, we have a choice. I can jump up, I can fall down, I can go to the left, I can go to the right. But I can't go back one day, much less a thousand days. I, uh, I can fly around my, uh, the planet in my airplane until it runs out of fuel, but I can't leave it. And I can't even perceive how time intersects these three dimensions to create the fourth dimension. I can't even visualize it. And soon I'll be able to maneuver in time just as we maneuver in these other three dimensions. And then a fifth dimension beyond that, and then a sixth and a seventh. It's hugely beyond anything we can fathom. And so we're going to need some really, really good instruction. And to not have it would be frightening. So this is what God's going to do. I will be their God. They shall be my family. God gets what he wanted from the beginning. Children. He wants to spend eternity sharing all that is his to give. And what better way to do it than with sons and daughters? It's a God we can love and respect, just as we would look up to the perfect Father, reaching up our hands to his, going for a walk together, exploring the universe together, having fun with life together, wonderful meals, great songs, wonderful stories, great camaraderie, tremendous support. That's what God is offering us, to empower us, to enlighten us, to enrich us, all the benefits of the covenant. Well, we may uh, return to this uh, this time next week um, and begin uh, back here. Um, I guess if, if since we're uh, hosting this, uh, this program, and uh, I probably can speak for you fellows, this may be among the most wonderful series of statements that God ever revealed. I'm, uh, I'm not shy about wanting to, uh, to emphasize it so that people know. Because in this statement, rabbinical Judaism is destroyed. There is no Orthodox Judaism that can survive the statement. Because God is not speaking of placing a Talmud inside of us. There is no reverence for a Talmud. The rabbinic Judaism does not talk about the covenant. They don't speak of God as a father. Their loyalty is to their Talmud. It isn't mentioned here. Quite the contrary. And obviously there is no um, room here for a New Testament. So both religions are imputed. So it's worth our Undivided attention. So let's return here uh, next Absolutely. week. I hope everyone I had a wonderful, a wonderful uh, <laughs> celebration of of Sukkah and had uh, a great camp out with Yah. It was a wonderful time uh, for us. I almost feel like this home that we're uh, restoring here, overlooking the uh, Caribbean Sea, is uh, is our Sukkah. It's our place to to camp out and study the Torah, and revel in the prophets. 
and share what we can learn to a world that we hope responds so that the day of reconciliations is all Yahweh would like it to be. Between now and then and uh, our program next week, may Yah bless. Thank you, fellas, very much. We'll uh, be with you next Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, y'all. Shabbat Shalom. Bye.